Are you a CrossFit coach or maybe a box owner looking to learn more about nutrition? You want to help support the athletes that come to your box, maybe have some one-on-one clients. And we all know nutrition is the foundation. We all talk about the theoretical hierarchy of the development of an athlete. And nutrition is at the base. It's like building a house. You can't build the attic first. You can't worry about performance and sport without working on the foundation. And that's what nutrition is. So maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a box owner, maybe you're just an athlete looking to potentially earn a little more income, develop a new income stream as a nutrition coach. Well, you could check out the Own Your Eating Certificate course. We review fundamental nutrition principles, as well as teaching you how to implement flexible eating, that's macro counting, and assist others with their tracking of macros. The cool thing about it is you're going to learn so much for yourself. Even if you didn't want to coach anyone else, but you simply wanted to learn more about tracking macros, you will get so much out of this course. It'll be the last thing you ever have to read, study, purchase, because you're going to get so much information. As well as sharing nutrition experience with you, Own Your Eating will also teach you how to coach others so that you can really make a difference with the people in your community and your lives. Maybe you need to finally get your mom to track macros. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe you you put on the quarantine 15 and you're looking to just lose a few LBs, a few pounds yourself. This will teach you all of that. And the cool thing about macros, the cool thing about the way in which we at On Your Eating teach you is it's really sustainable. The business setup and marketing strategies are also included. So if you do really want to make this a side deal or a side hustle, You'll, you'll have all the tools you'll ever need to do. And in addition to that, if you're a level three CrossFit coach, you can earn CEUs to help you revalidate. And we also give CEUs for NASM as well as AFA. So you can check that out. For me, every few years, I need to re-up my L4, you know, no big deal, L4 coach, but this will help you do it. So If you're interested in learning more about the Own Your Eating Certificate course, you can go to courses.ownyoureating.com. Or if you just go to ownyoureating.com, right up in the header there, it says become a coach. You can click on that. And with the code BESTHOUR, that's B-E-S-T-H-O-U-R, BESTHOUR, you'll get 15% off. Go check it out now. I was the one, along with Roz, who helped put this all together. So... I really understand that if you have questions for me about it, of course, you can reach out, but I really believe in it. I've put hundreds of people through this course. It's the way I learned how to track macros. It's the way I've been tracking macros for over five years, and I think you will absolutely love it. So go check it out again, courses.ownyoureating.com, and use that code BESTHOUR for 15% off. All right, Brian Borstein on the on the show, two Jews drinking coffee, discussing fitness. That should be uh, that's really all you need to know about today's episode. There's not enough for for the stereotypical. You know, the the one thing you hear about Jewish people is uh, they run this, they run that. They don't run fitness. No, we're <laughs> we're not the most fit fit people in that's a culture. I don't think. I think the only famous Jewish person in fitness has got to be body by Jake. Oh, I didn't even know he was Jewish. That's funny. I'm, I, I forget his last name, but I, I remember seeing it and thinking, 
you know, he was, he was, I'm pretty sure. And there's not been like the Sandy Koufax of CrossFit. Right. You know, there's not been well, like that's the, us. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're that people. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> there's not going to be any books on our CrossFit career. I know, unfortunately. Like, addendum to the 50 greatest Jewish athletes of all time. Let's add Brian <laughs> and Jason to it. But yeah, I'm, I remember my parents gave me that. I was like, there's no, when I was a kid, I was like, there's no good athletes in here other than, you know, Sandy Koufax was, was impressive, but you, you've got quite the history, just like I do in, in the fitness world. What brought you into the fitness world? Cause I assume if you were like me growing up, your parents were like doctor, lawyer, real job. So what, um, what kept you in the fitness world for, for this long? Yeah, so my I was not a doctor, lawyer, child. My parents actually didn't go to college or finish college. Um, my dad owned the most prestigious dry cleaners in the country for my whole childhood, basically. Um, so in Where's DC, that? we did in DC? Uh, Washington DC area. Yeah, yeah, we did all the Washington Capitals, Bill Clinton, um, all the the big people around DC. So um, that was kind of his legacy, but. Um, for me, I started in fitness when I was 15. Um, I was just a little kid trying to play varsity basketball and, um, puberty hit me late and, uh, I just needed to lift weights so that I could compete and, you know, do my part. So I kind of caught the bug super hard and it almost became an equal passion to basketball for me throughout high school. Um, majored in exercise, phys, sports management at James Madison university graduated in 2006, um, spent three years kind of working the corporate America gig. And then um, my buddy Anders kept sending me these workouts to do Fran and Cindy. And um, I was in a Globo gym at the time and just kind of doing them and not really knowing what to expect. And uh, 2009, he moved out to San Diego and one drunk night in Vegas, we made a really big decision that we were going to open up CrossFit PB and uh, early 2010 that all happened. What brought you from, cause James Madison, where's that? That's not in California, Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. Right. So, so yeah. what, what, what was the catalyst to get you across the country? Especially as a girl. A, was it, it really? Yeah. yeah. I gotta see, uh, I gotta see about a girl. Situation. Yeah. She's is uh, that, is she, that your wife? She's my wife. Yes. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that worked out. Good, uh, good decision then. Exactly. Yeah. Very productive. So, so you, first of all, we kind of overlooked the fact that your father was the most prestigious dry cleaner. I mean, that's a lucrative business, right? And entrepreneurship there. So maybe accidentally kind of planting the seeds of entrepreneurship. What yeah. was it just, you know, I think like I graduated in 2000, so I'm a few years older, but really when you and I were kind of leaving, graduating college, it was like, hey, you have to go to college. I'm sorry, we were graduating high school. It was like, yep. so was that a conversation that you had or was it just assumed if your parents didn't go, was it just assumed you were going? I always had to go, yeah, yeah. College was always something I had to do. Um, it really wasn't an option and it was always something I wanted to do. Um, I think I got a little sucked into the illusion of the party life and the girls and, and all that stuff. and. It, in my mind, it was just, I was going to go to college and I was going to party and I was going to do all the things and experience life. And um, yeah, that's what I did. You you have two kids? Yes. Yeah. How, how old are they? Six months and almost three. 
Okay, so you're saving up right now. You're not like too worried about college yet. <laughs> but what do you, you know, that is interesting because, you know, my wife's pregnant and I've had this discussion with a lot of people, especially someone like you and I who've been successful in this fitness world. Now you have an exercise science degree, which is, of course, a, you know, a great degree to have, but mine's in psychology. And the truth is, both of us could probably have gotten where we are without our degrees. For sure. Right? Yes. You know, it's helpful. It's both degree. I mean, a psych and an exercise science degree, to me, need to be combined if you really want to make some good you know, trainers out there. But what, what's, what are you going to encourage your kids to do? Whatever they want to do. I mean, I'm really... I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a hands-off parent in that, like, I very much do get frustrated and I try to instill my will at times. Um, but at the same time, I want him to be able to follow whatever it is that he enjoys at the time. Um, like right now, I'm, I've, I've gently tried to push for ball sports. Like, I'm like, let's, let's go play this or let's play catch out here or do this. And yeah. all he wants to do is like, chase around fire trucks and learn about dinosaurs and um that's fine like if that's what he wants to do at three years old like I, I'm okay with that you know he's athletic he runs around um and I think whatever he ends up deciding to do he's going to be great at it and I will uh, I'll be there to support him along the way good advice I'm sure I'm going to need more over the years but the, the best <laughs> parents out there are just like hey you let your kids do what they want like give them a little gentle nudge you know, just because they don't like playing sports doesn't mean they don't have to join Little League, but they don't have to join seven teams, maybe, you right. know, but, but there's benefit yeah. to learning how to be a part of a team and winning and losing and being a good sport, I'm sure. What's his, yep. what's his favorite dinosaur? The T-Rex, of course. I mean, it's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Is there even an alter? The only other dinosaur I could probably, I could name a pterodactyl and maybe, what's the bronze? Brontosaurus, is Bronchiosaurus, Bronchiosaurus, and then uh, the Triceratops is the one with three horns. All right, all right. So there's yeah, there there's some go. good ones. And is you <laughs> is he giving you the I want to be a firefighter kind of thing? Is that what Jason? He doesn't really want to be. He doesn't want to be anything right now. He just is Smart obsessed kid. with fire trucks. Yeah, I mean he hears he, he hears the uh, the the wheo wheo sound and you know immediately is running to the door. Oh oh, garbage trucks too. He might want to be a garbage man actually. All right. And, you know, hey, that's a good, that's a good career as well. Yeah. You can push him, you know, so basically if, <laughs> if I could see him kind of like, a, this would be a funny reference, but Dumb and Dumber, they were driving the truck that was like a dog. Maybe we yep. can have a T-Rex truck. And it picks up garbage. And it picks them from the mouth, though, from the mouth. <laughs> yeah, for sure, hey, for sure. Hey, I would switch my uh, garbage company if, if they came yep. with a T-Rex. So, Indeed. but you know, really, really awesome that you've got, you know, two great kids and you're out. So you're, you're in, but you're actually in Boulder now. We are. Yeah. I'm sitting here probably like 10 minutes away from you. I know. I mean, I've been, a, I've become a little more flexible in my meeting other people. We're being a little crazy while Roz is pregnant, but uh, yeah, we definitely have to meet in person at some time. I've gone back to a box for the first time in six months. So it's, it's strange, okay. but it came back pretty fast. What, what brought you here to Boulder now? I know you sold Pacific Beach. Yeah, we sold CrossFit PB in 2017. Um, basically, when we realized we were having a second kid, um, we started looking into buying a house in San Diego that would kind of be our vision of what we wanted our family to grow up in. And not that Boulder is cheap by any means, but to get the house that we have in Boulder in San Diego it would have been at least double the price. 
Um, so you bought a house out in here Boulder? Made... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it was it? Um, we were looking in Boulder. It was even that was very expensive. It is expensive. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we bought a house. My parents both live here. Um, so okay. that was kind of part of the impetus. The same time that I moved out to San Diego in 2007, my parents moved to Boulder. So they've been here now for 13 years. Um, now divorced, but still living in Boulder. Shut the dry cleaning business down, moved to Boulder. So they, yeah. your parents were divorced late in your life then? Yeah, five years ago, maybe. We've got a lot of similarities, I'm sure. I mean, my parents, although my parents were divorced, you know, before I can even remember, but uh, what's, you know, you're, how old are you? You must be like 34, 35? Almost 38. Almost 38, all right. You know, yeah. Jews, Jews hold it together pretty well. We go from like, <laughs> we, we, we're like good, 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 old, cute man at the park. Like we, we don't have yeah. an in-between. You know, my eyebrows are like out of control right now. My hair is crazy because of quarantine. So we fall apart though at some point. But what, what's that like watching your parents go through? A I mean, this isn't a personal podcast, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious, Brian. Yeah, know, yeah. Because I don't remember really. And I've, even as a youngster, I think I was relatively optimistic. Like, cool, two Hanukkahs, you know, I got a Christmas now because my stepmother was, you know, Catholic. What, what was it like going through a divorce as an adult for your parents? It was, yeah, it was weird. I mean, obviously it's way better than I think doing it as a kid if you had to select one of the two evils. Um, cause you can at least kind of conceptualize what's happening and put context around everything. Um, it's, it's a weird thing, man. Like when people get old and the kids become the thing that just bonds you throughout life and, and all of your experiences surround the kids and what the kids are doing and then the kids are gone and it's like, now what? Um, so I think there was a little bit of that on top of this. My dad, uh, 10 or 11 years ago, was on a ski slope and an out-of-control snowboarder basically mowed him down, and he passed out. Six months later, he ended up having a stroke, which they related back to the accident on the slope. Um, so I think a lot of that experience, going through that, and then living five years as a stroke survivor made my mom feel like a caretaker and made my dad feel like she was treating him like a child as opposed to like a grown adult that was retired and supported his family for 30 years. Um, and I think that that created a tough place for them to both exist. And um, divorce was kind of just the option at that point. That's tough. And you've, <clears throat> you know, I was considering getting back on the slopes this winter. You've convinced me not to. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, who says best hour of their day doesn't get deep? We we're having a, you know, deep conversations here, there which is a, which is why I like to connect with people. And I'm sure for you too, I mean, that's, that's part of it, right? You get, I think we all kind of fall in love with fitness and, and the idea of ourselves, like working on it, like for you, it was basketball. For me, it was wrestling. And you just make that connection and, and you can never, you can't quit it. And then you want to just help other people. So your journey saw you, you know, go to California, open PB. I'm, I'm not very familiar with Barbell Shrugged. I know they're a big company out there, but I honestly don't follow. But your former partner went on to found Barbell Shrugged. Is, no, Barbell was Shrugged was founded, I think, in 2006 or something. Um, Doug Larson and Mike Bledsoe founded it. And then um, Anders and I split from the gym in 2017. And 
Barbell Shrug was going through some transitions at that point. So he was, he stepped in and ended up kind of buying into that company. And now he's a, a co-owner and co-host of the Barbell Shrug podcast and kind of their whole brand. Gotcha. So, but he sold his half of the gym. You guys were 50, 50 at the time. And yep. then you decided to only sell 25% of your stake. What was the reason for that? What was the reason for saying, I want to keep, you know, still half of what I owned or, or a quarter of this business? Yeah. Um, it was a couple reasons. I think I was kind of lost at that point in that I had always viewed our business as CrossFit PB as kind of our security blanket for Anders and I of like, this is the thing that we're going to fall back on. Like you kind of mentioned having passive revenue and things like that. Um, I also had not yet established my next direction of where I was going to take my involvement in the fitness profession after um, Anders and I split. And I think it was as much kind of providing security for me and that like, Hey, what if I screw up and like, I can't actually make it work on my own and create my own brand and have it thrive. Um, at least I have something I can fall back on where I can, you know, go and continue to, to own a gym and train at the gym and et cetera, et cetera, be part of that community. Um, I guess luckily for me, things took off pretty quickly once we were split, I guess I felt a little bit of pressure. I even had had some internal doubts as to whether I would be able to succeed. So um, I put everything I had into creating my brand Evolved Training Systems, um, which originally was... For people listening, EvolvedTrainingSystems.com is your website, correct? Correct. Yep. Gotcha. yep, yep, yep. And you can find me on Instagram the same way. Um, but uh, at the time of at inception, I was still so bought into CrossFit and, and what it was. And, and I didn't want to lose my muscle ups and lose my snatches and my cleans and, and all that stuff. But I also knew that I, I wanted to dial back intensity. I didn't want to just be killing myself. And there's some sort of like pressure that I put on myself. And I know that this is very prevalent within the CrossFit community in general is that because CrossFit is a skill and it's something that you kind of can constantly improve on, uh, much like, you know, practice foul shots or something like that but but foul shots are non-fatiguing and practicing crossfit is very fatiguing so i was stuck in this kind of dichotomy of wanting to continue to be good at these movements in crossfit but also knowing that i needed to dial back what i was doing um and also kind of finding this renewed passion with hypertrophy work which was something that i spent a lot of time doing in my early days of training before i found crossfit so I created this Evolve Training Systems brand, which was more of a hybrid style. It had some snatches, it had some cleans, it had, it didn't have any kipping. Um, it did a lot of strict gymnastics work and we did a lot of bodybuilding style work. And that was like kind of the basis of, of my transition. And it allowed me to keep a foot in CrossFit and still feel like, like I would still go to the CrossFit gym to train for an entire year after after I created Evolve, I would still be training in this functional fitness facility with all my people, you know, giving daps, saying high five, still communicating with the members, um, and tried to do my part. I created a, a program for CrossFit PB called Strong, which was more of kind of built in this style of this vision of this hybrid program. And that was kind of the way that I slowly began to maneuver out of just strictly being a CrossFitter. Yeah. It- you know, as someone that's kind of, I mean, I think our, our fitness lives parallel one another. Like we, you find the gym to help your sport and you kind of fall in love with the gym and 
you could, you know, I continue with my sport wrestling to this day, you know, during the quarantine, not so much, but, you know, once everything's lifted and we can get back to it, I'll be down at, you know, in Boulder at Easton training jujitsu. Um, and then you find CrossFit and you're like, this is the best thing ever. And so, you know, and I'm involved in Thunderbro. For me, there was like, am I taking a step backwards? Did you feel that way at all? Like going from CrossFit to almost like, hey, I'm going back. It's like dating your ex again, right? Like this didn't work out for a reason. <laughs> so, but did you feel that way or did you, or did you have a different approach? And hey, I learned so much now with CrossFit that if I implement it with my own, with my old education knowledge, and especially with your degree, I can really evolve, no, no pun intended. Yeah, I think it was more the latter. I mean, I think there was a little bit of the other side um, in that I knew that when I got back into it, I needed to do it differently. Not that I did it wrong at first, but around the same time that I was kind of starting to do this, the evidence-based fitness space was becoming a thing where you have Dr. Eric Helms and Dr. Mike Isertel and a lot of these like PhD bros that are coming out and there's a lot of research reviews, you know, mass research review and weightology and like all these different reviews coming out where now it's like before I think I built programming more just on experience. And now I was able to combine experience with evidence-based research and kind of see where these two camps meet. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that, that came out of it was the, all the research around training muscle groups more than once a week. Because in the early days, the bro days, it was like chest on Monday, back on Tuesday, legs on Wednesday, whatever. And all the evidence now pointing to, you know, muscles, A, having a maximum recoverable of approximately eight to 10 hard sets in a session it almost mitigates your ability to have a chest day. Cause what are you going to do? Do eight to 10 sets and then leave the gym. The, the bro days were like 20 to 25 sets of chest, just demolish it and then wait a week and do it again. So now it's like, okay, we, we know that 10 sets is about the maximum that you can do productively in a session. We know that therefore, if you want to get 20 to 25 sets a week, you have to train your chest two to three times a week. Same applies to legs and back and all these different muscle groups that you don't want to get so sore. Like I think another, another aspect is, is soreness. Like, I used to look at soreness as a badge of honor, like, oh man, I had such a great workout. I'm so sore. I can barely walk up the stairs. Now I, I try to chase minimal soreness. I try to get enough soreness that I know I train the muscles and I feel fatigue in the muscles. It, it's a little tentative when I walk up the stairs, um, but it's not to the point that I'm debilitated because I know three days later, I need to come back and train the same muscle group effectively again. Um, and I think well, actually a lot of that is in, go ahead. I was going to say, it's clearly working for you because I see these pictures of you and I saw them when you and I started talking on Instagram. I'm like, this might be the fittest Jewish person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but really, I was like, wow, this guy is, I mean, how tall are you? 5'10". And you've got to be pushing 215. No, man, I, uh, I'm cutting right now. I just cut down to 192, but, um, but your I usually... point is, if you've not seen pictures, go check it. What's your, you, you have a personal Instagram too, right? It's Brian Borstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, what you and I were communicating. But those pictures, I mean, you've packed on you've, you've packed on more muscle than when you were simply crossfitting. I'm assuming. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's just the principle of specificity. Um, I've changed my focus more 
to be hypertrophy at this point. I don't really do a whole lot of holy lifting anymore. I, I, I still have visions of wanting to get back into it in the future, but um, right now 40, I've really changed my. Forty years old, ahead. the Masters is coming. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. I actually really love holy work. It's it's something that makes training really, really fun for me. Um, but what also makes it fun is being able to see changes in my body after 20 to 22 years of, of hard, dedicated training and, um, being able to change from CrossFit where I'm trying to be good at so much that I can't actually excel at anything. Um, I found the hypertrophy work to be a really a breath of fresh air and, um, a novel way of approaching training in that for so many years, so many years, I just tried to move weights from point A to point B as quickly as I could. And that was in squatting and in deadlifting and in Olympic lifting, you know, and now I have completely abolished any ego attached to the weights that I'm lifting. And I just try to make the muscles that I'm targeting and do all of the work. I try to find ways where, how can I make a squat less fatiguing for me so that it's not just taxing my glutes and my low back, but that I'm actually creating a quad stimulus out of it. And, you know, I can do that by putting the bar really high on my back and pointing my toes out in a little frog stance and elevating my heels. And, um, it's just been, it's been really cool kind of delving into this new world and learning from it and being able to grow within it. So first of all, I, I'm sure you could still hop in any class and do well in, in the cross. Yeah, I, I would do okay. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, you're, it's not like you've completely diminished your capacity there, you know, and, you're doing primarily functional movement. So there, even if you're squatting a certain way to stimulate quad growth, you're still squatting, right? You're still- you know, deadlift, yeah. Stiff like a deadlift and RDL and all the different things, yeah. So if someone's interested in learning more from Evolve Training, tell, tell me more about like what a week of, and I know you have many programs out there, but what might be one like you're doing now? Like what does your week of training look like? Yeah, so my program is really similar to what the physique program is like on Evolved right now. Um, so that's so like your Evolved the, physique training program. Correct, yeah. And then there's also a physique globo program for anyone that's training in a commercial gym. And, and um, for all of your programs, they're, they're monthly. So you go online, you, you, you new month, new 20, for most of your programs, they're about $29 a month. And if they sign up, yep. do they get um, emails? How, how do you get, how do they get their programming? It's delivered through a member's portal on the website. Um, cool. Some people really get nice. a little confused because it's not an app, like, you know, a SugarWatt or a Wattify or something like that. Um, but it's delivered through a member's portal on the website. You log in with a password and then all of the movements are hyperlinked to a video so you can see proper performance of the movement. And then I like the, uh, the member's portal in one aspect a little more than the app just because it allows me to kind of use some longhand explanation of progression models um, hypertrophy theory, um, mechanisms of kind of training that we want to instill, um, different things to think about different kind of, I use a uh, reps and reserve to, to dictate proximity to failure. So I, I have a little bit of an explanation on that and kind of what our target reps and reserve are for this week versus next week and the week after and kind of how reps and reserve will progress week to week. So, um, and that's, kind of and a that's cool what's way. preventing people from getting sore, like you were talking about earlier, not necessarily going to failure set after set. Correct. Yeah. Saving failure for like a week before, you know, you're going to have like a active rest or a deload week or something like that. So go ahead. Tell me, tell me a little bit. You said you're following 
similar yeah. to your physique program, what's that look like for you? And, and are you training at a gym right now? No, I actually spent quarantine with a little pet project and built up an entire home gym for myself in my, in the house in Boulder. So, um, where'd you I get actually equipment? went out and Rogue oh, sold man. Out. it was, no, it was, dude, I, I have about 10 different websites that I ordered from like fitness warehouse, fitness armory, uh, fitness factory, uh, American barbell, flex and fits, uh, Christian fit. Christian fitness factory. That's how I Christ outfitted Albany CrossFit back in 2007. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to yeah, have to reach yeah, so out I, to you I after just, this to get, cause yeah. I got nothing, you know, my squat I rack I should be searched, here. man. All right, Everything's here, man. Everything's arrived except, um, my leg extension, leg curl machine, which is on back order. But, um, I have a, I bought a, a leg press machine. I bought a T-bar row plate loaded machine, chest supported. Um, I bought a cable machine. I got a squat rack, a barbell, a bunch of dumbbells. I'm filling in the gaps in the dumbbells right now, but I have like 20, 25, 35, 50, 75, 85, and hundreds. And this is um, so in, in a one car garage or where is this? It's in my basement actually. It's okay. a 22 by 13 space. It's good. I mean, it's good size. That's what's cool it's about Colorado. We get basements again. Basements are so cool. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the, the pro go ahead. go ahead. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what your, what your week looks like. So right now I am following a, um, a push legs or push a pull, push legs, pull, push legs. And I try to do that over 10 days. I'm actually like one of my big passions right now is trying to get people to abolish the calendar week. I think that the calendar week is just so limiting in life and it forces people into this structure and it makes them feel guilty when they have to take an extra rest day. Um, it's kind of like one of my pet projects right now. So is this, kind of, you should have told me that from the beginning. I could talk about that for days. Is this, <laughs> is this strictly when it comes to training or is this a life project? And what I mean, life, it, it, it's specific to training right now, but it very much applies as a philosophy to life. I agree with it in training. And, for so many people, it's like, oh, rest Sundays. And it's like, well, maybe don't. Like, you have a whole day off from work. Maybe go hard today and take Monday off, you know? Yep. So you're not, I, yeah, I totally. what's, what's this movement called? Abolish the calendar. Hashtag abolish the calendar week. I don't know. I need to, <laughs> I need to figure it out. <laughs> I like it. I mean, and it's very entrepreneurial of you, obviously, you know? <laughs> of course. If it, yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, it's talk, going back to firefighting. I mean, that's what they do. They don't look at a calendar week. They no, just they want a rotation. Hours and move on. Yep, exactly. So maybe that's kind of how I feel. And see, this um, is where I, your kid gets it from. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> um, so I train six days over a 10 day week. Um, I try to take a rest day before and after every leg day because that just kills me every time. So I try to before go pull, pull, push, rest, legs, rest. So like two on one off, one on one off, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the CrossFit um, speak. Yes, exactly. So that works really well for me. It took me a while to figure out that that was my ideal um, kind of frequency and, and stuff like that. So uh, that's the way I'm going right now. Each day starts with big compound movements, whether it's a squat or a hip hinge. Um, I'm a huge fan of the stiff-legged deadlift and the RDL. I'm not a huge fan of the deadlift. I just find it to be extremely fatiguing for most people. And it doesn't really train any specific area of the body super well. It's kind of like 
low bar back squat in that like, yeah, you can low bar back squat and lift a shit ton of weight, but like, what really are you training? Um, it clearly is training your glutes and low back, but I mean, not get your in principle, especially in hypertrophy, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, for you CrossFitters would argue, but you're stronger, which is going to translate to X, Y, and Z. But in the bodybuilding world, you're not necessarily chasing strength. Well, you're also trying to mitigate fatigue as much as possible. So you want to have a higher stimulus to fatigue ratio on each of your movements. Right. So like a movement like a, um, like a leg extension is going to have a high stimulus and a low or a, a low stimulus and a low fatigue. Um, whereas a squat is going to have a high stimulus and a high fatigue. So it's, it's kind of balancing these two variables and, and figuring out how can I most optimize my movement pattern in an exercise so that I can skew that stimulus to fatigue ratio to my benefit. And that's kind of like the squat you were referring to earlier. You're still getting the benefits of a squat. So you're still getting higher stimulus, but you're not, and when you talk fatigue, you're also talking CNS. Like you it's, it's both. Heavy. Yeah, it's local and yes, correct. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, we've all deadlifted heavy enough that we felt like we had mono for three days. Right. You know, so like right, right, right. that's a high fatigue exercise. You know, although it allows you to lift a ton, especially in the CrossFit world where you do a workout like that, and oftentimes you come right back the next day. You're not taking a rest day like you're suggesting. Yeah. So I remember doing a workout in CrossFit, and like I would never do this now, but like. 315 deadlifts. It was uh 315 deadlifts and then Box what was jumps. it? Uh no, 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 no. That was the regionals workout that was just wretched. Um it was a muscle up, it was like an eleven nine seven muscle ups or something like that. But you know, I ended up doing 45 deadlifts at 315 really fast. And I was literally sore for like four days at least. I mean, bending over to pick my toothbrush up off the ground, you know, and when you get that like deep, low back, like axial loaded style fatigue, it just like crushes your whole life. Like it doesn't, it's not just, oh, my low back hurts. I can't really do any more deadlifts right now. It's like my energy suffers. My focus suffers. Like your central nervous system is just like, dude, what did you do to me? Yeah. Honey, pick up the kids. I can't help you today. Yeah. <laughs> so now I do, now I do stiff legged deadlifts and I use somewhere between 300 and 350, depending on the rep scheme. And I only do a total of 12 to 18 work reps over, you know, three sets or two sets or something like that. So like three and by five, three by six type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although I do in, in training, I try to not keep reps static across sets um, in that we're trying to match reps in reserve set to set. So like if you did three sets of six, you would be pretty sure that that third set was a lot harder than what your first set was. Right. So what we would instead do is I might end up going eight, six, four or eight, six, five or something like that, because my objective is to match the same proximity to failure on each set so that the fatigue cost is the same on each set. How, how do you teach that? Because that's even an interesting topic and concept if someone that does CrossFit is listening, because, you know, say you're doing a, you know, even like a, 21159 you want to be you know obviously Fran the goal would be unbroken but a 315 deadlift or you know something like that where you're like oh 777 that doesn't necessarily make sense no it always makes more sense to go like 12 I always want to see five less, or right yeah yeah personally. for sure and that's the same concept yeah I mean the whole concept of pacing in CrossFit was literally non-existent when I first started and has been something that I worked in, in my years programming CrossFit in like the 13, 14, 15, 16, 
I, I made it my mission to teach people pacing. And um, I actually, do you remember the OC throwdown, the OCT? It Let's was see, a local where Kevin in, got in cat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so I actually programmed uh, that event for a couple of years. And um, one of the events we did was a triple Fran where your worst score was your score. So like you have to start a new Fran every five minutes and whichever so you one need to you pace. Do, you need a to pace, bit. right? So that, that was kind of my way of trying to get athletes to understand pacing back in like 2013. I was like, let's do yeah. triple Fran and your worst one is going to be your score for this workout. So you had some people come out and do their first one and they're like PR time. And then they just completely died and didn't even finish the third one. It was the people that were like 330, 340, 350. And they just kind of got that minute and a half of rest each time that did the best. And uh, I hope that that was a moment where some athletes were like, oh, wow, this is kind of a, an important piece of training. Well, and it's, it's funny, every, you know, obviously it kind of got overlooked, but even CrossFit, like Tabata, at least originally it's changed over the years or there's different methods, but it used to be lowest score is your score, right? So you blast out 30 squats in the first yeah. round and you get seven in, in your eighth round. That's your score. Yesterday at the box, actually, we did, it was Imam for 14, max distance row, five back squats. So the back squats were kind of just filler every other minute, but your score was your lowest distance. So you, you, can't, you can't come out blasting it. So I was like really consistent across, you know, and I think I had like 240 in a minute and other people hit 300 and then they're like, but you're, I beat you. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. why that was a concept I always tried to tell across. They're like, well, what should I, how fast or how hard or this? And I'm like intensity at the end of this, you want the best score. So if that means pacing early versus blowing it out and getting, you know, you could be the fastest one done with the 21s and the last one done with the workout. And I think, yeah growing up wrestling, I think I kind of understood that because you can't always go crazy in the first period. Um, but, you know, and, and again, there's a time and a place to hit that first fran and see what happens. Problem, not a competition. Right. You know, that's an interesting, I just watched, um, there's a Rubik's Cube documentary on Netflix that just popped up and I yeah. watched it. And like their, their competition is the average of how fast you can do three solves of the cube. So it's interesting that you did that basically with fran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's interesting too. I wonder if that you can burn out on like your ability to solve the cube quickly. I was thinking that because I was watching this documentary. It's brand new, so I'm sure if anyone has Netflix, it'll be like in the trending yeah. or whatever. It's really interesting. But yeah, I mean, sleep, right? That that plays a big role. Mental fatigue, so no different than physical training. But but going back to my original question, how do you do? You have some tests for that for people, or is it just something they kind of get used to and understand as they go on? the reps, reps in reserve. Yeah. So it's kind of a self-correcting problem. I mean, not completely. I don't train people that are new to lifting. Um, they don't do my programs. If you're like brand new to the fitness space, you like have to know how to deadlift, at least know what a deadlift is and perform it relatively well. Same with squats. I kind of expect these as a buy-in. Um, I do believe that unless you have gone to failure at some point, it's going to be difficult to assess exactly where you are in that spectrum of like one to three reps shy of failure. Um, they actually did a study, uh, Dr. Helms did it for his dissertation, I believe. Um, but they did a study where they took a bunch of college age kids and they asked them, what's your 10 rep max on the bench press? 
and they wrote it down and then they took them into the lab and they had a bunch of people around yelling at them and basically making them go until they couldn't bench press anymore. And the standard deviation was six reps off. So people that said they could do 10 were actually getting 16 reps, um, which is just, just crazy like to be that disconnected from the actual level of effort that, that you're putting in. Yeah, I mean, like um, over 50% off. That's pretty crazy. Right, 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 right. So I just thought that was just, you know, to me, that's like why I have to put out all of this education on what it feels like when you're approaching uh, an RIR number. So what I try to tell people is that if you're going through reps and you're going through reps and you're not having to stop and pause, when you feel the bar like significantly begin to slow down and you're like, ooh, that was kind of a hard rep, that's when you probably have about three reps left. Um, I'm not a huge fan of letting people take breathers at the top of reps, like to just sit there with the back squat bar on your back or sit there with the bench press bar locked out over you. That's how I live my life. That's (laughs) that's like my biggest flaw in in fitness. Why, 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 why is that bad? So it, it continues to increase the fatigue. So in the squat, it continues to increase axial fatigue in your low back while it lets your legs recover which then has the propensity to create poor execution reps after that point. Um, Second is like something in a bench press is it actually is kind of a passive position at the top. You are taxing your triceps a little bit, but you're letting your chest rest. Um, So a lot of times you'll see people continue to bang out reps after that. And it gives you a false impression of what your RIR actually is. So if we're trying to progress RIR week to week, we need to also standardize the number of breathers we're taking. So it's not necessarily that breathers are the problem. It's that people think that they're progressing, but they're really just taking more breathers. Uh, that makes total sense. And yeah, like on my squat, I, I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a big fault I have. Even yesterday, we did five by 10 back squat every other minute. Um, and I, it's been a while since I've been to the box, been working out hard. I hit 205 across for all five sets, but the first set was like pretty good. And then it became get five and then rest, right. you know, and then one at a time. And then my last set was taking like a minute for 10 reps, you know, and the hardest fitness thing I think I've ever done was a 20 rep set at 275. And that took me like five minutes. Cause I was just like, yep. but I, you know, and I, and I understand that's a different goal than what you're trying to to teach but yeah i think i think part of it is just that lactic acid buildup you just want it to to go away right so then i guess that becomes the point of where do you define failure so i think that that's an important piece of kind of how your training is is failure your inability to to literally move the weight from point a to point b or in my perspective of what i'm trying to achieve right now failure is the point where i can no longer mechanically perform the movement in the same way that i was performing it prior and you also in hypertrophy want to keep you're not necessarily looking for that 10 rep max you're looking like you said for that stimulus to um fatigue balance ratio so if yep. you, yeah ratio so if you're if you're holding that bar there you're probably getting building up way more fatigue but the stimulus isn't rising accordingly exactly no that's a great way of putting it for sure yeah, yeah. it's a it's a diminishing returns kind of graph of asymptote of sorts so your your you know your typical ten days or so two on one off two one on one off how long does each session usually take you? So just this past month, I made a decision to give two day a training try to two two times a day training because I was feeling like 
my sessions were not as effective in the second half. Um, so there's a lot of kind of nuance that goes into planning two a days, but basically I hit a major muscle group in the morning for 30 minutes or so. So like an example would be, um, back would be in the morning. I'd hit it super hard with some rows and some weighted pull-ups and stuff like that. And then I'd rest a couple hours, eat some food and I'd come back and hit biceps and some, maybe some other accessory work for 30 minutes in the evening. Um, same thing applies on push day where you can basically go chest, uh, compound movements in the morning with maybe some compound, uh, shoulder work in there as well, but not triceps or isolation shoulder work. And then come back a couple hours later, hit that in the evening when you're a little fresher, have some food in you. And then the real benefit. So I didn't start doing the upper body until really, really recently. Um, but I've been doing lower body now for a little over a month, um, where I'm splitting quads in the AM and hams in the PM and then vice versa the the next leg day the key to that though is super important is that you can't hit compound quads in the morning and then expect to come hit compound hams in the evening you can't squat in the morning and deadlift in the evening with any effectiveness so what i try to do is make sure that the, the day that quads are in the morning they have all the compound movements and then all the hamstring work in the evening is isolation and then flip it the other day where i do my stiff-legged deadlifts and my other hip hinge movements and stuff like that when hams are in the morning and then in the evening I do more kind of low fatigue quad work. That makes sense. For for me, the, the challenge is always getting motivated to work out a second time. Is that, is that a struggle for you? It's so much less a struggle than trying to hit hamstrings after doing quads, like immediately after. I mean, I literally like finish my, I don't do more than eight sets at most in any session really uh, for lower body. So I hit, you know, two exercises for quads, four sets each, something like that. And I'm just so crushed by the end of that. I mean, I literally can barely like hobble out of my gym and walk up the stairs. And to think of, you know, now I need to do another 30 to 40 minutes of hamstring work. It just mentally, I can't even do it. So being able to split it up into two sessions and especially knowing that the second session is low fatigue movements, like even on upper body days, it's like isolation work in the evening on leg days, it's isolation work in the evening. So it's as simple as just going into the gym, which is downstairs and throwing my headphones on and doing easy, easy movements compared to what I did in the morning. Yeah. So bang for your buck. Even if you're not quite fired up to do it, you're getting a whole lot more out of that second session than being fatigued post. And I would imagine it makes the first session easier as well because you're like, all right, this is the hard stuff, but eight sets, get it done with, get out of here. Yep, that's 100% my, my mentality. I mean, I would dread leg days because I knew how long and grinding they were that I would almost even subconsciously hold back in my beginning sets, knowing that I had this long day to do, but knowing that I only have eight sets and I'll be out of there in 30 to 40 minutes, it uh, makes it a lot easier to put in full effort. Yeah. So although you're doing twice a day, you're probably not putting in much more than an hour and 15, an hour and a half at most. Correct. Yeah. Leg days probably end up being close to an hour and a half. Upper body days are 60 to 75 minutes. And I assume you can take, you know, the, the six month old downstairs, if need be, put him in a stroller okay, yeah. or put her in a something sleep. That's what, that's what I'm a little worried about. How are we going to handle our workouts? But the baby sleeps most of the day, right? Yeah. Especially when they're young. I mean, she just switched over to, she's in a transition from two naps, from three naps to two naps right now. Um, I'm transitioning from two to three, actually. 
<laughs> you're just like a baby um but uh no she sleeps a lot like she she's actually a, a blessing man like the first one the first kid we didn't we thought he was easy because we had like her heard horror stories from friends and we were like oh we got an easy baby this is great and then in retrospect now that we've had the second baby we're like oh that first baby was really really hard this is the easy baby so um, is it been is it that she's easier or that you're just more competent and confident and dude, less stressed because you're like this one made it three years so far oh listen dude when when she was two months old we moved her out of our bedroom and put her in her own room and the first night we moved her she slept through the night 12 hours and she slept through the night every single night for the past four months since then she was probably like, thank God, I needed yeah, my own get space. Me out of there. <laughs> right, exactly. When are they going to let me get my own room? <laughs> uh, that's really awesome. I'm hopeful. Hopeful hours is the same. All right. So people can, you know, have heard a little bit about your training. You have a few different options out there. What's, what's your best seller? The physique program right now. Um, I also own and manage uh, with Lori Christine King, a company called Paragon Training Methods. Um, and we, it's very similar to what Evolve does. It's a shared brand that I have with Lori. Um, and so there's a bunch of programs on there too. Like we have a, a program called Paragon. That's more of that like hybrid, um, I've seen it. style. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our main program. We also have a physique program on that, on the Paragon app, um, as well as a program called Quickie. That's 30 minute kind of almost it's like a street parking type model, but we do a little more bodybuilding style work in there. Um, and then evolved the physique is definitely my most popular one. It was for sure the original program that was the hybrid between CrossFit. Um, but amazingly all the people that start on that program are like, wow, I'm really enjoying this kind of hypertrophy bodybuilding style stuff. And they start kind of asking me questions about, you know, what really is the benefit of doing these Metcons and this only lifting if my goal is strictly to improve body composition. And I always say that Oli and Metcon stuff is probably somewhat counterproductive in that it uses energy that could be put elsewhere, but that if it's something you enjoy that I would never say not to do it. Um, but for whatever reason, the majority of people that started on that original hybrid program have kind of all slowly meandered over to physique and, and kind of found some love and enjoyment there. So um, that's super cool. And I, that's where my passion lies right now. So I love to be able to kind of teach and nerd out a little bit on these kind of sciencey topics regarding hypertrophy training. And, and for those that are listening that still live by the old school method of a standard, you know, Monday through Sunday week, you know, although as outdated as that is, do, do, do they have to, do they have to abolish the calendar week or can they make it fit their schedule? So all of the programs that I run currently fit a calendar week, except my newest cycle that I created in, in April. So we're nearing the end of it right now, but it is based on the model that I just laid out for my own training, uh, not with two a day training, but it's basically like a, a push, pull legs, push, pull legs thing. And it's meant to be done over 10 days. So and they can um, split it to two a day like you are. They could split it to do it two a day if they want. I actually wrote a blog, a really in-depth blog post on my website that I just published a couple days ago about the nuance of splitting training into two days and kind of what it would take for you to take your current program and be able to split it in that way without having kind of overlapping negative effects. There is um, framework so for it, implementation of twice daily training. Correct. Yeah. So cool. if people wanted to check that out, they could do that. 
Um, it's very much focused on hypertrophy training and not on like splitting a CrossFit day into multiple sections or anything like that. So um, I'm not sure how much of your audience is, is CrossFit versus more, more Thunder Bro, but. No, I think, um, I think people are evolving. I think, you know, there's, I think a lot of the reason people move over, myself included, it's like diminishing returns, right? Like you work so hard at the box and to get one more muscle up or your body's beat up and people are realizing, hey, I like the idea of sweating. I like the endorphins and, and all the good stuff that comes along with fitness, but I want my body to also look differently. So we're, we're you know, we're slowly seeing that. I don't think CrossFit's going anywhere, but I think people are definitely checking out this functional bodybuilding hypertrophy market, you know, that you're in, that Thunderbro, that Marcus Philly's in, you know, a handful mm-hmm. of other people are in it. And it's great stuff. I think we all kind of offer something. I definitely want to check out your, your programs, to be honest. And, I think anyone, I think the biggest battle you get with that two-on-one off, one-on, which I personally love, is because people need to get a, a life. And I, like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be like a crazy <laughs> right, podcast right, right, host, no. but it's like, you don't need to train this much. And it's like, if you're afraid of this, it's mostly because you're like bored on your day off, where I have so much other shit that I want to do in this world, that I'm like, sweet, I get two days off, I'll take yeah. it, you know? whether it's yeah. doing outdoors activities, whether it's spending time with your kids, walking your dogs. Like, I, I think that's the battle of like, well, I want to work out six days a week. No, 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 no. You, you want to work out six days a week, not because it yields better results, but because you're, you don't have anything else to do. It's an addiction of sorts too. I yeah. Mean, and I, it, it's, it's definitely that you're right. There's the whole, like also training to eat thing. Like when I was doing CrossFit, I remember designing these just miserable workouts, like I, I use the sevens as like my model for a lot of That's my like personal just beat downs. And great I would just workout. create like my own sevens variations and be like, okay, I did that. Now I can go eat this pizza tonight or like whatever it was. And it was such a broken mentality that created so many problems. And I see it so pervasive among other people within the CrossFit culture. Um, and I think that, you know, the best thing that came out of my switch to hypertrophy was realizing that less is more. And that when you specifically talk about hypertrophy, you have to recover. If you're not recovering, you're literally not going to make progress. And while that same thing can be stated for CrossFit too, where if your recovery is in such a debt that your fatigue masks your fitness, um, you're going to have the same problems. And balancing that along with the skill development components that come with doing CrossFit, I think is, is where the, the real golden egg resides. Yeah, well said. I, I agree. I think for for many of us, and you still see like, oh, I earned this. Like, okay, I can eat whatever I want. I did the sevens. I did the filthy fifties, or whatever the workout is. Um, yeah, with hypertrophy, especially around that leg day, it's like you need to eat a lot the day before to be fueled, and you need to eat a lot the day day of and day after to recover. So, yeah, it's it's a slightly different mindset. And I think for those of us that grew up in the same era, like you and I did, you know, the nineties, where it was a lot of bodybuilding, for a lot of the people that are doing CrossFit, this is their first exposure to fitness. So they're just not familiar with it and, you know, give it time and either they'll burn out or get hurt or, you know, just talk to somebody smarter, listen to the show and realize, okay, there's a better way to do it. So it's really cool. Love that. So yep. I'm going to, I'm going to check out. Yeah. So now with your, um, the program you're doing evolved physique training program, how much of that could be done with just a barbell, a dumbbell, et cetera. Yeah, so the, the the basic physique program is pretty much you could do 
95% of it if you have a squat rack, a pull-up bar, barbells and dumbbells and bands. You, you would need bands. Um, if you have bands and all that stuff and a bench, you have all those things, you can do 95% of the program. Um, there is a commercial gym option called Physique Globo, which uses more of like hack squats and leg extensions and chest press machines and stuff like that. Um, and then same, the original daily hybrid program, the one that's the, the functional fitness mix sort of is the same equipment as physique. Like it's built for a functional fitness facility. Cool. Well guys, check it out. Evolvedtrainingsystems.com. And your Instagram is the same evolved training systems. It's Brian Borstein. I don't really do update the Instagram for evolve. So yeah, just my personal one is where it's at. Borstein, B-O-O-R-S-T-E-I-N crushed it yeah all right well brian that was great chatting with you and hopefully we can get a workout in together i, I probably don't want to do legs with you because that sounds cool, <laughs> but maybe maybe a little back or chest no i love a yeah, good leg dude, day sure. and um for sure yeah, yeah. Where, where do you live in boulder where, where about where are you um arapaho and 55th dude that was we were living at park mosaic like literally at arapaho and 55th I don't know if I've seen Park Mosaic, but I'll keep my eye out for it. You are right near the hospital. Yeah, right near the hospital, a little bit uh, east of the hospital. Right by the, um, what's that coffee? There's a Snarfs sandwich. Ozo up. coffee and Snarfs. Ozo. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. right on the other. Yeah, yeah, we're right there. Yeah. Yeah, we were like the apartment complex adjacent to it. Like we would walk there every day. Oh, sick. Yeah, that's our, our local place. That's where we walk to as well. Cool. So, and we do a lot of our filming right in Lafayette. Our buddy has a nice garage gym. So next time we're there, we'll have, have to have you over and we'll meet up. Love to. Yeah. And you can definitely come check out my little garage dungeon and come get a session in. All right. And I'm going to need some child rearing tips. I'm going to need this baby to sleep <laughs> through the night like that. So. Absolutely. I don't know how I did it, but I'll, I'll do my best to help out. Save any, <laughs> save any dinosaur toys, you know, for us. And for sure. um, absolutely. And we'll <laughs> <laughs> unless you're planning on another one unless you're planning on no a no no we done we done <laughs> all right so save some clothes for yeah. us and all that good stuff but uh yeah it was great chatting with you i'm going to check this program out and for those listening definitely i recommend checking it out and and it's clearly working go over to brian's instagram you'll see uh you'll see a physique shot of him, and you'll you'll want to get on board and try it yourself so thanks so thanks, much for Jason. coming on brian it's been a great time chatting with you appreciate it Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor, head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Best hour of their day.